0: I would say it's much scarier looking at it than it is once you're actually in it. And I remember for a long time, I put off doing my own thing and put off, you know, making some of these decisions just because, you know, it's scary, right? The idea of starting a business, the idea of working for yourself, the idea of, you know, taking some of these risks that are inherent with any kind of startup or venture that you're going to be a part of, it's almost always way scarier thinking about it than it is when you're in it. When you're in it, it's just the day-to-day, right? You're just, you're figuring it out. Things aren't working out. You're coming up with solutions. You're pivoting. You're, you know, adjusting on the fly. Mm. You can handle all of that, right? But if you think about it too much, you'll think yourself out of doing it almost every time, right? So my advice would be just, if you are interested in entrepreneurship, if you're interested in starting your own business, go for it, right? Right? The worst case scenario is that you end up exactly back where you started, where you don't have a business, right? You're not generating any revenue and you can start again, right?
1: Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. You ever need help with yours? Just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great uh, guest on the podcast, uh, Bennett Mortenson. And uh, Bennett uh, started out his journey growing up on a ranch and then uh, went into mechanical engineering, we went off to college. Um, and then uh, after that, I went to work uh, in uh, the at the corporate level for a short period of time, um, after which uh, moved over to uh, working for some startups and helping them with designing products. And then went back to school and got a master's in mechanical engineering, uh, graduated and uh, did some more product design for a startup uh, before starting his own company and uh, going in that direction. So. Um, and uh, Bennett's also a uh, works at uh, the Technology Transfer Office of uh, Brigham Young University, so he continues uh, to juggle both of those positions and having a good time at it. So with that much as
0: an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Bennett. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here.
1: Absolutely. Excited to have you on. So, so I just gave a 30-second version to a, a much longer journey. So why don't uh, we uh, rewind and unpack a little bit and uh, tell us a little bit about uh, uh, about your journey and how it got started.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you you mentioned that I grew up on a ranch, and that was the first place that I really had work experience. So on the ranch, we had the opportunity to work full-time, uh, basically from the age that we were 12 on, right? So every summer break, every winter break, every spring break, you know, we were working. Um, mm-hmm. So I worked as a cowboy on the ranch. I worked as a water maintenance individual, right? Who did like plumbing for the houses and helped maintain the wells that gave everybody water. I worked in housing. So we built a couple houses, um, got to work with some electricians. So it kind of gave me a really nice, broad scope of work uh, to introduce me to kind of the world of working when I was really young. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, all that was great. Really enjoyed it. Learned how to work hard, but um I was interested in going to school and mechanical engineering, engineering in general, was kind of the direction that I wanted to go. I was wanted to design products, produce them, understand kind of the manufacturing that goes into, you know, some of my favorite products. And so went to school to become a mechanical engineer, um, enjoyed going to school. I got a job immediately after my bachelor's at Union Pacific in their management training program, so kind of a left turn. Um, you'll see a lot, a lot of left turns, a lot of turns in general in my journey. I think most entrepreneurs are kind of like that, right, where you start one direction and then have an opportunity and pivot. Um, but yeah, I worked for Union Pacific for a little over a year, completed the management training program, enjoyed that. It was really interesting to work for a large company like Union Pacific, very structured, um, a lot of administrative duties, right? Not super creative. Um, and so kind of got the uh, the creative bug after working there for a year and jump shipped and then worked for myself, essentially doing product design work, engineering work for a small company out in Florida Uh, that did basically consulting services for small businesses, right? So they'd come in, hey, I have a product. You know, they'd introduce uh, uh, them to one of the designers. So I was one of the designers that helped them work on their products, helped them work on the design, getting the CAD files dialed in, a little bit of prototyping.
1: So now just uh, before you get too far in so you were yeah. originally working for a larger company for, you know Pacific is a, a bigger one um mm-hmm. and then you jump over to go to the startup now it sounds like now correct me if i'm wrong that you didn't start that or that startup you may have joined early on yeah. uh, or did or, and so how did you kind of you know make that transition uh, become aware of them decide that was the direction you wanted to head and kind of uh, make that transition over
0: yeah. So working at Union Pacific, like I said, I, I think I got bored maybe a little bit. There's probably a better word to use, but ultimately that's what it was. You know, started looking for other job opportunities, you know, felt like I wasn't using my degree as much as I wanted to with the engineering background. So I was searching for product development, specifically, you know, product development companies and reached out to the founder um, of the company in Florida and just asked like, hey, do you guys need an intern? Are you guys looking to hire? Right. And they were a small enough company at the time that they couldn't bring you on as like a full-time employee. But if you were interested and you had the skills that they were needing at the time, they'd bring you on and basically it was contract work. And so every job that I worked on, basically you would negotiate what your portion of the payment for that job would be for you know your work. And mm-hmm. so it was... Super interesting. So I didn't get to come in as a founder, right? I didn't get equity in the company, but it gave me a lot of experience negotiating, you know, basically every week to week, what am I going to get paid for my work this week, right? Which can be kind of a stressful situation, but also good to just understand that, you know, the the world's not going to end just because you know know how much you're going to get paid by the end of the week, things like that.
1: Hmm. So, no, it, 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 it does sound a bit stressful, but on the other <laughs> hand, if you're able to, you know, do, do a good job, negotiate, do well, it can also uh, kind of present that opportunity and probably yeah. provide you a bit of that kind of entrepreneurial aspect, as well as a great uh, learning environment. So, so now you stayed with them or you or you kind of did that position for or how long or, or how yeah, long? So
0: I think a little less than a year there was when I was working for them. And like you said, it was a, a great opportunity just to be involved with other startups because most of you know the clients there, they were starting their own business or they had an idea that they wanted to uh, you know, form a company around. And so we got to, or I got to see very early on, early stages of ideation and market validation and just what kind of ideas people were interested in taking to market. So a lot of good experiences there, but yeah, about say about a year I worked there.
1: Yeah. Awesome. So now you worked there for a year. And then after that, was that when you decided to go back and get the master's or kind of was there anything in between that?
0: Yeah. So when I was there, I had applied for my master's degree, but hadn't really seriously considered it. Um, and then randomly was accepted into the program. Probably not randomly. Right. Probably based off of my credentials and things like that. But random to me, it felt like at the time uh, I got accepted into the program back at BYU where I had done my undergrad and saw that as another opportunity, you know, another little bit of a left turn, so left that company, came back to school, uh, did some research in the effects of whole body vibrations on inhibitory control in humans. Mm -hmm. So kind of a not specifically mechanical engineering focused research, you know, for my thesis, uh, but again, something that kind of widened my breadth of understanding of what's out there in the world, you know, understanding a little bit deeper into maybe the life sciences and uh, maybe a little bit of the psychology behind what was going on there. So super, again, all of this things very disjointed and not super connected, but it was useful for me in understanding that with an engineering degree, right? there's more opportunities out there than just simply in the product space, right. Hmm. Um, And while i was going to school i got a job at rustica here in utah working at them with some product design that they needed Um, so finished up my masters continued working with rustica for another couple of years moved from kind of the product design wing of their operation more into the operations and fulfillment side so i got to experience operations and kind of logistics and you know dealing with their p l and all those types of things and i would say they're more of a mid-sized business than a small business Right. But it was again another great experience where at that point I'd seen basically all phases of business, right? From startup to a large business with a lot of overhead, administrative costs, a lot of bureaucracy and in into more of a mid-sized company that was still flexible, right? Still had a lot of those startup feel behind it, but mm-hmm. was moving into the need for systems and a little bit more administration of things so that it could grow right in a structured way beyond what you're doing with a startup, because startups are typically a little bit more fluid. And then uh, after working there, I left there to start my own business, um, which I still have to this day, where I do product design work, manufacturing, consulting, small business consulting, right? Helping you scale and set up your supply chain for startups specifically, and then my business now, is structured. Just one or way. one
1: quick question is oh, yeah. to dive into that. So, how did you get your? So, the business you got going now. You kind of got, and as I mentioned mm-hmm. in the intro, got a couple of duality roles, and we'll get to the tech yeah. for office in a minute. But it, when you decided, okay, went out, got or the master's degree, you know, kind of uh, went down that path, and then as you're coming out of the master's degree. Um, you know, how did you kind of figure out what was the business that you wanted to do and uh, how did you go about setting that up? And, you know, after you've gone through the corporate, how did you kind of decide where you wanted to focus and how you wanted to do your business?
0: Yeah, so it's a great question. I think where I nailed on kind of structure my business is I saw a need in kind of the business cycle for partners early on who had technical expertise who could get you past the early stages of startup into more of a growth and expansion, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I had no interest in, what's the right way to say it? In kind of the large company structure, right? You can end up with a lot of jobs where you're there, you have a very specific purpose, but there's no flexibility, right? It's like you come in, punch the clock, you do your one specific role, and then you check out. And so I loved kind of that mid-size company feel at Rustica, where it was still very open-ended, still a lot of flexibility in what you were doing, um, but you had a few more resources behind you to keep things going. And so again, I saw the opportunity in the small business ideation, needing to fulfill the technical roles, with an eye and a vision towards becoming that mid-sized company and helping them get to that point right setting up the supply chain setting up the manufacturing and i've had you know what i would call relatively good success finding mm-hmm. people who are like minded who want to bring me in because they see that same gap right where they're like hey i have a great idea but technically i don't understand how to make this happen and structurally i don't know what systems i need to put in place and what partnerships i need to have to go from just idea to small business to mid-sized company if that makes sense
1: No, it uh, definitely makes sense and sounds like it was a good good operation, good uh, position for you to be in. So now walk us through because you were doing that uh, for a period of time and continue to do it and and Mm -hmm. actively now you also got... connected with the tech transfer office and just as a quick uh in or quick uh summary for those that are listeners tech transfer office is kind of the intellectual property patent and trademark and one office for universities so most uni- most universities um, they may work with outside counsel but they'll have an office that is uh, dedicated to working with the professors, getting the ideas, making sure that if there's something that needs to be protected on the university level with the research development that is going on, that it goes through that office. And so walk us through, so you're doing the, your own business, got that set up and going you now, how did you get connected with the uh, technology transfer office?
0: Yeah, so I had been introduced to the office when I was a graduate student, right, working on my master's degree. Um, it's kind of funny because it's, in my opinion, a super critical office to the university, right? If you think about it, they actually commercialize the research that's taking place, which, you know, who wouldn't want to do that as a researcher at a university and as a university in general, but they're a little um, maybe underpublicized on campus. So my entire undergraduate, I didn't even know they existed and I only found out about them like the last year of my graduate studies, learned a little bit more about them, thought it was a really cool opportunity um, in the way that they filled a gap, right? Kind of a knowledge gap at the university where researchers, super technically proficient, really understand their area of expertise, but maybe not necessarily versed in the ways of entrepreneurship and startups and monetizing some of those ideas, right? So it was kind of that similar gap that I had seen out in kind of industry, right? Mm-hmm. Of, you know, it had a need, and need to be filled. I saw this, I saw it on the university. Obviously they had somebody filling it, um, but I'd always thought when I was, you know, once I realized they existed, if I couldn't work for myself, if I had to work somewhere else, it would be at a tech transfer office at the university. So while I was running my own business, um, they put out a LinkedIn post, so they had some positions opened. Um, it was kind of a... Uh, spur of the moment decision, right? Hey, you know, I'll throw my resume in, you know, I I think I have a lot of experience that would be helpful as they're looking to monetize and commercialize products and IP and those types of things. Mm. And it just kind of ended up working out. And so then you end up in one of those positions where you have lots of good decisions in front of you, right? There's no wrong decisions. And so I decided to take my own business and move that to kind of more of a side project nights and weekends type of thing. Come on full time at the BYU Tech Transfer Office. And that's actually worked really well because there's a limit to the number of projects I can take on as an individual, right, with my own business. And so when I was running it full time, you know, if you've ever been involved in product development, you know, you go through waves, right? Well, you do a bunch of changes, make a bunch of updates to the model, do a bunch of prototyping, send those all out for quotes and manufacturing, and then you wait (laughs) two to three weeks for things to come in so that you can work on the next version of the prototype so it just kind of naturally worked out that to best utilize my time having the full-time job here at BYU and moving my business to the side you know nights and weekends strategically has worked out really well for me
1: now just out of curiosity was or when you kind of moved over to the BYU and uh, moved the the current business kind of to the nights and weekends and mm-hmm. you know I people say a side hustle and it usually feels like the side hustle is really more of a second full-time job. Yes, um, yeah. But, you know, so you, you move over and you, you do that. Now, was that kind of a conscientious decision? Hey, I, a tech transfer office is where I want to focus on, or that'll be my in close day job. And then I'll continue on with the other, or was it more of a transition or kind of, how did you make the decision as far as kind of where you balance your time or where you focus?
0: Yeah. So I think strategically, like I didn't see any downside to being more plugged into the university more connected with the entrepreneurs in the area right having opportunities as part of my job right to go and connect and make um you know connections for the university right all of that strategically i saw as being beneficial to my learning and understanding as an entrepreneur and as a business owner right and then like you said the the side hustle sometimes becomes that second job. So nights and weekends now, literally, I go from one job, go home, work on the next job, right, until I go to bed. And that's been my life for the past six months at this point. Um, But with the number of clients that I had, and with the state of some of the projects, some of them were wrapping up, right, so I had the need to either find new clients or find something else to fill my time. Again, Mm -hmm. it was one of those kind of magic moments where the timing worked out strategically, it made sense to me. Uh, building connections right and helping out the university right now is my number one priority but long term i cannot see that as being a bad thing you know to have some of those connections and you know have a business that's growing on the side as well
1: no sounds uh sounds like an awesome uh, place to be in a great situation so so now as you've kind of gone through those different iterations and you know and you started to touch on it but if you're to now look and say okay Looking out the next six to 12 months, kind of where do you see things headed, whether it's the technology transfer office or your, um, you know, side hustle or your second business? um, Kind of where do you see the next uh, six to to 12 months uh, taking you?
0: Yeah. So, The next six to 12 months, I'm really excited about because this last, like the previous six months, we had finished up some client projects, so those are off and running, Uh, productions getting set up, so we should have some sales soon. Um, I mentioned it very briefly earlier, but the structure of my business, uh, we don't take a lot of upfront money, right, because as a startup, you don't have a ton of capital to throw at kind of the technical expertise, some do, right? And what I told people when I was looking for clients, if you have all the capital in the world, I'm probably not the best fit for you, right? Go hire an engineering firm, they'll get it done much faster than what I can do. You'll be happy, it's all great. But if you're trying to bootstrap it, what I would do is instead of an upfront fee, right, we would partner with you for some sort of backend royalty or some sort of equity in the company, and then a small stipend upfront to keep things flowing for you know prototyping and things of that nature. Hmm. And so um, with that in mind, I don't see a lot of revenue in my business until products are up and running, right? So previous six months, we finished up a couple of projects, really excited to have those out on the market, Um, really excited to see what kind of revenue they can generate to then funnel back into the business. And the next six to 12 months, we've got a couple more that I should be able to finish up here early on with a couple more lined up, ready to work on. Um, So That was a terrible answer to your question as far as like, what do I see, you know, big things happening in the next six to 12 months, but really it's just more of the same, right? Like I think Mm. early on when I started, like anybody who started a business, right? Like you kind of struggle to really understand what's your niche and what's the value that you add and what's your customer and client base. Mm. And I feel like I have that figured out now and I have a nice pipeline of projects and clients to work on for the next at least year, right? And so having that lined up is really exciting to me because the more projects that I finish, the more momentum I can get behind me and hopefully get to a point where, you know, you have more good decisions in front of you, right? You have a business that's profitable, that can support you. You have a great job where you're making connections. You're focused on commercialization of IP at the university, right? And good decisions of what makes the most sense to do with my time, maybe 12 months from now, right? Two years from now, whatever that time period is.
1: Awesome. No, it sounds like it will be a, a fun uh, fun journey yet ahead of you and a lot of uh, great opportunities. So, well, now as we've reached the, the present day of your journey, i always love to uh, transition to the, the two questions I always wrap up each episode with. So let's uh, jump mm-hmm. to those now. Um, so the first question I always like to ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? When did you learn from it?
0: Yeah. So in Florida, when I was working for that small startup kind of engineering support team, um, I had found an opportunity to help negotiate a license deal between the company that I was working for, right? They had some products they had developed and an outside third party. And in that negotiation, I had worked myself into the contract to receive a small portion of the revenue that was generated for the company, right? So I helped negotiate that, we went through it, everything was looking really good. And at the last second, my boss wanted to introduce a clause into that contract that would basically limit what I could make from it. And I took it personally at the time and I shouldn't have, right? This is this is the lesson that I learned is that it was a very reasonable thing for him to ask for, right? Where, hey, you've only been here for a couple of months, right, you're helping us out. We tremendously appreciate that, but maybe that's limit kind of your upside potential in this deal. And instead of taking it professionally, right? Again, as I should have, I let it get to me. I took it personally, right? Hey, you don't value what I'm doing to help with this, right? I helped to negotiate this. I helped set this up, right? And so I ended up essentially, you know, for for what happened, walking away from that deal and that opportunity for essentially no reason, right? Like walking away from money because I took something personally that I shouldn't have. And so I would say that's something that's, it's, A hard lesson to learn as an entrepreneur, right? But it's an important lesson to learn that you need to keep your emotions and your personal feelings out of a lot of those things, right? That if it's an opportunity, even if it's not at the scale of opportunity that you were hoping it would be, that you should evaluate those things objectively and take it if it's a good move for you.
1: No, I, I think and that one's always hard. You know, 20, hindsight's always twenty-twenty. You 20. look back, yeah. I, I have some of those, and you know, when you leave a business, I, I think everybody always has in their mind, hey, when I leave a business, I'm gonna do go out in a ball of fire, and I've gotta, I'm gonna tell <laughs> or tell off my boss and walk out the door and uh, be rich and famous and show everybody, and yet, you know, not not that you did that. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of that idea of, you know, you, and then you look back and say, hey, they did a lot of good for me. It was they'd probably be more reasonable and fair. And you can always look back and kind of, uh, you know, w- once you get on sometimes the other side of the table where you run a business or you're doing other things, you can get that perspective. And so it's always a, a, an easy mistake to make on the front end, but a great one to, to learn from as time goes on. Yeah. Second question now that I like to ask is so now if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you give them?
0: Yeah, I would say it's much scarier looking at it than it is once you're actually in it. And I remember for a long time I put off doing my own thing and put off, you know, making some of these decisions just because, you know, it's scary, right? The idea of starting a business, the idea of working for yourself, the idea of, you know, taking some of these risks that are inherent with any kind of startup or venture that you're going to be a part of, it's almost always way scarier thinking about it than it is when you're in it. When you're in it, it's just the day-to-day, right? You're just, you're figuring it out. Things aren't working out. You're coming up with solutions. You're pivoting. You're, you know, adjusting on the fly. Mm. You can handle all of that, right? But if you think about it too much, you'll think yourself out of doing it almost every time, right? So my advice would be just, if you are interested in entrepreneurship, if you're interested in starting your own business, go for it, right? Right? The worst case scenario is that you end up exactly back where you started, where you don't have a business, right? You're not generating revenue and you can start again, right? Very few entrepreneurials or entrepreneurs hit it out of the ballpark on the very first try, right? You mentioned you're a, a serial entrepreneur. Most entrepreneurs are, right? Because it yep. takes a few times and a few tries to figure out what your skills are, what you do, bring to the table, uh, your strategy, and how to be successful with some of these ventures. And so anyways, just don't think about it too much, right? You're going to talk yourself out of it. Just jump into it. You'll figure it out along the way.
1: No, I think that's a definitely a great take. I mean, it is one where, you know, I think that it's, it's a bittersweet of being an entrepreneur. You know, you have the... You think about things. You have great ideas, and some people just dive in maybe too early and all feet, or mm-hmm. feet first and don't ever think it through. But most of the time, it's you overanalyze it, or you think about all the what ifs, or you or you say I'll do it someday, and that someday never comes. So definitely, you know, if you have that desire and want to uh, pursue it, um, going uh, or jumping in and diving in and however it makes sense with your given situation, um, don't let that hold you back. So I think that's a great piece of advice. Yeah. Well, now, as we uh, do wrap up the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more?
0: Yeah, so my main priority right now is the BYU Tech Transfer office. So if you go to BYU Tech Transfer, search that on Google, you'll find our webpage. My contact information is on there. And then aside from that, right, if you want to be a client for, you know, the side business, you can always reach out to me through that same way. I'll get you my personal information and we'll talk offline, right? We don't want to cause any conflicts of interest along the way, right? But yeah, but definitely, and there's so many opportunities at Tech Transfer as Mm a entrepreneur or looking to do a startup, like, these researchers, they've spent years and years developing this technology, and you can come in as an entrepreneur and spin that off into a company. We love making introductions, right? Introducing to you, you know, to people like Devin here at Miller IP, right? Who can help you with IP questions. Like, we want to be a hub and a resource for entrepreneurs to be successful. So, yeah, reach out to us through the Tech Transfer Office webpage and happy to have a conversation.
1: Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, make a new connection, uh, support a great university, and if nothing else, uh, make a new best friend. So there we go that. <laughs> thank you again, Bennett, for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now for all of you that are listeners who are out there, if you have your own journey to share and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. So just go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show. A couple more things as listeners, make sure to click share, subscribe, leave us a review. It helps us to reach even more startups and small businesses to help them along their journey to success. And on that note, if along your journey you ever need help with patents or trademarks or anything else with your startup or your small business, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Well, thank you again, Bennett, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last.
0: Thank you.